0: Well, hello, this is Jamie Oichel from runningrestaurants.com, and i got a really, really good session for you today because I get into it with an old high school friend of mine, Craig DiOrio of Fibber McGee's in Beverly, Mass. He's been running restaurants for uh, almost 20 years now, and so he's learned a lot along the way, a lot of tips. We get into it going all the way back to to 98. We talk about some old school stuff, how he got started, um, the things he's doing now to be successful in his businesses. We we share a lot of tips. You're really going to enjoy listening in. Here we go. Hi Craig, man, we go we go back all the way to high school, but uh, we went separate ways along the way there. And if so I don't even know the beginning of your story. How did you end up in the restaurant business, man?
1: So, um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm not even so sure myself. Uh, so, uh, like probably most people do, you know, you go to college and you get a you get an accounting degree, right? <laughs> Is that how you get into the restaurant business? Um, yes, sir. No, I yeah, you know, yeah. So so that's what I did, and that's what I thought I was going to be, right? You know, CPA and kind of do that thing where you're, you know, where, where your parents think that you're good at and they kind of push you in that direction. So I got out of school without a accounting degree, worked, uh, actually worked for BJS Wholesale Club for a couple of years as an auditor, uh, which was actually kind of cool. We, I traveled up and down the East Coast uh, doing audit type stuff, mostly operational type things, but the travel got weary after a couple of years, and then I ended up at the, the Federal Reserve Bank in Boston as an internal auditor. Uh and from there, um, that was pretty much the end of uh, accounting and auditing for me. It was probably one of the uh, my least favorite. I liked the people that were there. It was a cool, you know, thing where it was the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, right. But it was probably the most boring job uh, that I ever had to the point where I really, really had no interest in going into work every day. Right. So, you know, I stuck it out for a year or so. And I said, all right, you know, I've always wanted to, I always felt that entrepreneurial, you know, spirit. I said, you know, people always suggest, you know, how do you, how do you figure out what you want to do if you want to be an entrepreneur? So, you know, you read the books, people give you advice and they say, all right, what, you know, what's going to, what's going to work here, you know, so look back to things that you like to do, things that you're good at, those types of things. So I started thinking and I really always like to. Kind of entertain people. Um, you know, and I know this sounds ridiculously, uh, I don't know, frat boyish, but I used to throw a lot of parties back in college, right? Um, and, and it, you know, it's one of those things you're like, oh yeah, well, everyone threw parties, you know, back then. But when I threw the parties with my roommates, we did it, uh, we did it to, to, you know, be the guys on campus that were cool throwing the big parties, but we, I did it to make some money too. Uh, you know, it was the old days of, you know, everyone gets a their, their cup at the door and, you know, five bucks for guys, three bucks for girls, but I yeah. would always take it to the next level. You know, we'd have a DJ, my brother dj so we'd bring a DJ in. We'd have a, uh, you know, we'd have a full bar. So we actually had bartenders like, you know, serving full, full drinks. And I think we were charging people for shots, loose shots or whatever it was, you know, so it was a, it was that $5 dollar get in, you know, thing. But then it was also, you know, these add ons that would happen. So, and every time we threw the party, I was like, you know, this is, you know, this was better than the last one. I was always trying to make the next one better, whatever that might have been. So going back to the to the bank scenario, I was like, I gotta figure out how to get out of this and do something my own and you know, I talked to my dad, like I think a lot of people did, and I you know, and with their parents. My parents are very supportive of, of everything that I've ever done and I said, Listen, you know, I I gotta get out of here, I gotta do something else. And so he was looking around and we found this little he found he has the one that actually found it, this little dive bar in Salem, Massachusetts, um, get what the name of the original name of it was and this is going back 20 years now actually uh 1998 and um you know he said hey um you know there's this little dive bar i don't know if it makes any sense but you know do you think you have any interest in, in looking into that so i looked at it quickly i'm 24 years old i'm like yep this is what i want to do i want to get the heck out of what i'm doing I, I i would do anything you know other than what i was doing um but i was really excited about you know testing it out and but at the same time nervous because i never worked in a restaurant my life i worked in retail you know i worked in uh supermarkets for you know handful of years obviously i had that auditing and accounting experience at uh, bj's wholesale club it gave me a lot of background on you know uh, risks and liabilities and you know that kind of stuff so you know i scraped together the 20, 20 grand or whatever i had in life savings and uh at the time and my dad I think had twenty grand. It was all he had left and, and we put it together and we put the money down on the place and we bought the real estate. Uh which is a small little I mean, when I say it was a dive bar, it, it was it was gross. Um, but so we Yeah, it was it was uh yeah, looking back on it, I'm like, well I but I was twenty four and I had no clue. It which was good. It was it, it's actually a good thing, um kind of being somewhat naive. But I had that work ethic. So we were supposed to close on the place sometime and November eighteenth was the date that we were closed and my we had a family vacation planned for Disney World of all places, and the closing was going to be that week, so I canceled the trip. My whole family went down on the trip, which I was supposed to go with. I canceled it and ended up opening the doors that day or taking over the doors that day and worked uh, about 100 hours, for, the, for 115 hours the first, for every, each week for about three or four months before I could really find somebody to actually you know help me out. There were some bartenders, a couple people that were there. At the time, but I was doing everything. I was learning how to cook. I was learning how to bartend. Um, you know, I was cleaning up. I was closing up, opening. I basically, I slept there. Uh, so, you know, that was a thing. At 24 years old, I had the energy to do it, and uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, kind of that was the start.
0: So, I love that, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, as far as an origin story, a lot of folks listening can be like, oh man, I, I feel, I feel where Craig is. I remember that beginning part. I remember not knowing knowing what to do and how to do it. You know, people feel like they got different pieces of it from their history, and then you go in and your feet are in, and you're like, "Holy crap!" And you're working 120 hours a week, and uh, and you're really feeling it. So you you learned a lot really fast, uh, I'm sure. And then uh, so I want I want I want to talk a lot about those things that you learned along the way. But one of the things I want to be sure we hit on re- really early in the, in the call because it's it's a big piece and it touches both of our, our histories um a little bit and um you you're a big supporter in the community um for um uh, for a charity effort that wraps around Pete for uh, Pete Freights and his his effort for ALS and uh you guys are a big supporter of that tell me how you really got deep into that your belief and what you guys do there to kind of support the local community and and what they're doing yeah so
1: uh, i mean i think it goes back to the even the beginning you know i never not that I'm not into advertising, but I always felt as though the best way to advertise really is the word of mouth stuff. Obviously, that's that's a, such a cliche that you know your best uh, you know advertising is word of mouth. But from the word of mouth, really comes you know the sense of community and and being kind of entrenched in the community. You know, the, the places that I've owned have always been neighborhood um, pubs, and so whether it was little league or youth soccer or um, you know, and, and actually, what it started back in the it sounds this is going to sound kind of crazy, but back in my original place was, um, you know, some of some of these guys were passing away. And so there would be some kind of funeral and then there would be some sort of, you know, event afterwards where we would actually sure. get together and do something. We'd raise some money. Um, you know, I remember one of the guys had a, had a son that was over, um, in, in Iraq. And, uh, you know, we there was probably 50 people that showed up and we put together these care packages one day. It was a party. It was atmosphere where we're it was a, it was a generated business. I'm you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that it, it didn't, but it did that. But it did it did a double you know kind of had a double thing to it. It was basically, hey, let's all come down, have a good time on a Sunday afternoon. At the same time, let's do some good. And, and I think those were the things that really kind of got me thinking. Like, you know, they can go hand in hand. You know, being part of that community, raising awareness, raising money, that type of thing. So it's weird the 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 rating scenario, so when I bought um Urban McGee's uh about six years or so ago, I said, "All right, well, I'm in Beverly now, and I want to try to get together you know with you know with in the community and try to you know help out give back a little bit i guess and uh the most logical thing was you know Pete had been diagnosed with a l s um I can't remember how long ago, but it was around that time. And it really kind of started with, there was a, the BC plays the Red Sox, um, for that first spring training game every year. And there were jerseys that everybody was wearing that had Brady's on the back of it. Um, and, uh, to, you know, to create awareness of ALS and, and that type of thing. So I, they were auctioning off actually those jerseys, um, the BC jerseys. So I said, you know, this would be a great jersey to kind of, you know, donate some money to, you know, the cause. Get the jersey hanging up on the wall, and you know, kind of be sort of a a thing. You know, this Beverly's a Beverly kid. He went to St. John's Prep, uh, and he went to Boston College, which is other uh, than the Beverly part. That you know, that, that's those are both my alum, alumni, or you know, both uh, you know, place that I went. So it was. It just seemed like I never met him before. Never really met the family. Didn't know anybody. Didn't know any. I mean, I knew people who knew him, but um, it was one of those things where I was just you know, hey, uh, this just seems natural. It seems like it makes the right sense to to kind of jump on board. And then the ice bucket challenge happened, uh, shortly after that. And it just, everything took off from there when it came to the, you know, the Frades and their family. And, you know, there's road races that that we do here. There's all kinds of stuff in the community. And, uh, not only, you know, have, have we been a big supporter of Pete and his family, but, but Pete and his family have been a big supporter of us. And I think that's where it just really kind of goes hand in hand, you know, to be able to give back and, uh, you know, kind of work as a team. And it's not just about, you know, business it's sometimes about the community
0: yeah i love that and and not only that i've seen the pictures uh, of you on facebook you take it to the next level you you do the the plunge, what's it called plunge for pete you jump jump in the water in the middle of winter you crazy people
1: yeah yeah back in january it was january i think it was january 1st or december 31st yeah it was like single digits up at good harbor beach in beverly mass and uh you know you, just, you get stripped down and <laughs> jump in and jump out and uh you know, I, I'm not much of a swimmer. I'm not even not even that big of a fan of jumping on the water in the summertime, but uh you know, it's it's a co- quite an experience. A lot of people come together and do it and uh it really
0: it helps raise money for people. So yeah. Yeah, brother. I don't know if I could I don't know if I could pull that one off. That's uh that's some bravery there. Well, well, I I think that's great. I, I and 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 the lesson there, you know, and and you're seeing that it work, you know, you're not doing it just for your business, you're doing it as part of a, a whole equation of being, you know, just a you know, a good person in the community as well. But restaurants out there just you know, the quick lesson, the takeaway there is if you're not doing stuff like that, look for the opportunities that really gel with you personally. Like Craig has a direct connection to both the high school and the college that Pete went to. Uh, so that 's a natural fit, or maybe it 's a cause that that you know your family was affected by. Look for those opportunities in your community and it' uh, it'll it 'll come back to you for sure and 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 so i I applaud you for doing that. I think it's great and uh so I, I want to talk more about the business how you um as a kind of a newbie to the restaurant business. Uh, thought about some of the things that are integral to making it work and and, and one of those things is people so you you mentioned r- r- early on there uh you know find finding people how has that changed for you over the years in terms of how you hire people how you have to fire them when they 're not working out how you think about developing them and turning them into leaders in your in your restaurant um what do you, what do you think there what 's your people philosophy? Well, I think
1: any restaurant tour or business owner a business owner in general, let alone restaurant tour, but especially in this business, uh staffing is probably the single biggest challenge. Um whether it comes to, you know, finding uh, you know, finding the qualified people that you're looking for, or in the case that's really kinda happening now, at least locally for us and I'm sure nationally as well, is that um there are so many more restaurants popping up that the pool of talent is running more and more thin every day. Um, and it's not really necessarily being filled all that well. I mean, you know, I jumped into this with an accounting degree. And, and so, you know, the, the culinary schools, I don't, I not, there's not enough people to kind of keep up with it. I think what's also happening, is you also see, um, you see this a lot of the shows on TV and people say, oh, this is, that's, I want to do that. You know, they see Gordon Ramsay or they say this, they see all these people and they say, hey, this is what I want to do. But then, but then they get into the job itself, and after a week they realize this is not what it looks like on TV. Um, so, you know, hiring people, it's the challenge. Uh, the one thing I will say is that I've been fortunate that I've had some great people around me. Um, some of it is luck, and some of it, I guess, is just knowing kind of off the bat, hey, this person's a hard worker. They're willing to learn. Maybe they don't know everything, but uh, but they're willing to to you know, kind of step up and just and do whatever it takes. Kind of like what, what happened with me when I first got into the first place I had where I didn't know much, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was willing to put the hours in, you know, those 100 hours a week or whatever it might be. And, you know, when you see that in somebody after a week or two, I mean, you can almost, I can almost kind of tell in the first few days. Um, sure. Or you see the fact that they're willing to take initiative and not really kind of ask you, you know, 100 questions on how to do stuff. So. Those are the people you realize, you know, they're gonna they're gonna work out. And um, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my chef the other day. So I've been running through McGee's for six years now, and I think I can count on one hand how many people in the front of the house that I've either let go or fired um, uh-huh. over a six year period. So you know, I think it really is a true testament to, to how we staff things. And, and, and front of the house and back of the house are very different, um, obviously. Um, you know, front of the house is. is Gen- generates uh, their their income is really you know generated by tips and um you know so that's a factor and I think you find the good people you don't overstaff, they work harder uh because they know that they're in a good situation, and then you're thankful because they're they're working really hard, so it works out really well, i think
0: on both ends um yeah uh, my- man I did-
1: yeah, yeah I was just going to
0: echo your thing real, real quickly. I was going to echo what you were saying um, there is that we did a quick survey of our our readers, and labor pool, like you said, came out as number one. People were like, labor, 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 finding people, getting people, paying people. It's such a huge thing, and and I started to think about about, about that when you're in that challenge of, of finding the right people, and it's it's probably very very frustrating when you're in the beginning part of that process but when you when you put all the equations of the business together and it sounds like you're in that sweet spot where you've got you got the good people, you're challenging them, they're wor- they're working hard, you're not overstaffed and so now you're 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 in you're in a good shape and for you know for restaurants that are kind of kind of not there yet it's like you have you have to develop the right place and you have to have the right attitude anything you you did along the way you think that uh, from a recognition standpoint or is it just kind of giving people some freedom to grow what do you think there for, in terms of, because that sounds like very low turnover there. So any any kind of yeah. tidbits you might think that work?
1: Well, I, I think, I mean, again, each each sort of uh, area in the restaurant is a little bit different, but I'll take my chef as, as an example, my chef, Steve Grotto. So he, he actually came to the place when I bought it. Uh, he had been here for a couple of years before me. And uh, what's interesting is that we both get, went into this not knowing. I didn't know if I was going to keep him, and he didn't know if he was going to stay, but we both kind of said, hey, let's just kind of see how it goes. Um, right and it's it's been it's been an amazing relationship and I think it it's worked on a on a different level um you know one of the biggest things with uh with him is that he has all the freedom i've given him all the freedom to do what he wants to be creative um without I mean obviously passed by me um but he does all of that stuff menu uh menu um uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Menu uh, development. Um, it's all his stuff. In fact, there are oftentimes, I'm not even sure what the specials are, or the features are that week because he's just doing it. And he's the one that's really kind of grown this business over the last, I don't know, three or four years. Um, we've exploded over the last six years, but specifically the food has been the biggest part of it. And I think the thing is, you know, his freedom to do it, to, to kind of do what he needs to do to get the job done. You know he does get some time off, which is nice for for a chef in in the business. And then the key is 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 with those two factors, I always try to make sure that he's you know he feels good about the compensation. You know, I mean it's it really comes down to we work because you know we need we need the money and that's that's why we work. But also there's that passion. So it's good because he gets a little bit of a passion. You know where he's you know doing what he loves to do. And then on the flip side of it, you know you, you try to make sure you take care of him, especially at the end of the year. You know I think that's the biggest thing as well. You know, you have your budgeted, you know, payroll in there, but then, hey, if there's a little lecture at the end of the year, you should definitely, you know, get a little piece of that, too, you know, so.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. Listen, I mean, people want they want to feel recognized, they want to feel rewarded. Rewarded, but I think there's you know surveys will say at the end of the day, the 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 absolute salary number is not the most important thing for people. It's that combination of you know feeling like they're they're appropriately compensated, doing the right thing, having the freedom to do what what they want inside the business. And then yeah, like you said, if you yeah, have the business is kicking butt and that dude's working his tail off, yeah, sharing, sharing part of the pie absolutely is gonna is gonna keep him engaged with the business. And he sounds like a like a key dude for you. I want I, I'm. Curious uh, about the the operation side and the the accounting piece because you know you you, know, you went to school for that the CPA stuff and, and the restaurant <laughs> is, is a nickel and dime and penny business and you got to watch everything uh, really closely and you know from menu costing to you know pennies pennies everywhere what 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 has that aspect brought to you do you find yourself digging into details you like doing that or or, or have you found other partners or piece of the business that really get into the nitty gritty. So that's probably my least favorite thing, uh,
1: <laughs> probably go. because of my beginning part of the conversation was that I didn't end up going into into accounting. Um, but you know I, I have that background, which is the, the key. you know I think I think in restaurants, and I don't want to just you know break it into just two groups, but I think you have in restaurants you often have you know the chef um, creative types who want to get into it because that's their passion, and then you also then have more of the the business owner types that you know that really like the idea of you know the numbers and running the numbers. So my background is certainly that I did throw myself into learning how to try to cook some stuff back in the day.
0: Um,
1: you know, my thing is always driving sales. You know, I'm probably more of a sales guy than I actually am, you know, the, the back room guy. Uh, mine is kind of, you know, going out there and, and, you know, helping the staff in the front of the house when necessary, saying hi to the customers when they come in. Uh, I have, we have a lot of regular customers that come in, whether it's weekly or nightly or whatever it might be. And I think driving the sales is my pri and then again for six years that's been my priority at some point i feel like we'll be plateauing and i certainly keep an eye on the cost but my feeling is that if i continue to drive those sales up you know the rest will kind of follow um you know it's interesting we do a lot of um a lot of deals during the week uh, something i had started 20 years ago where uh you know back in the day it was dollar burger night on monday nights you know and and it wasn't really something that everybody did back then, but now it seems like everybody, at least around here locally, um, everybody has a deal Monday through whatever, Thursday, to try to get people in the door on those nights. And what's happening is you see that, um, you know, a lot of families, a lot of people that are busy, they don't have time to cook, and they don't have, or for that matter, it, with these deals, sometimes the deals are a little less expensive than uh, than, you know, they go into the grocery store and actually making a meal. So... You know, me trying to drive the sales seven days a week is what, what I really kind of try to do. And then looking at the the actual expenses, I mean, obviously I have certain criteria that I use when I price things out. Um, you know, whether it be beers or uh, you know appetizers. But those deals, what those deals end up doing is kind of where I'm why I'm bringing this in here is the deals of the food. A lot of times is we we don't really make much money at all on the, on those deals Monday through Thursday. So it's like half price appetizers on Mondays. Tuesdays are 50 cent wings. Wednesdays are half price burgers. Thursdays we do these dollar ribs, like baby back ribs. So unfortunately, the, the food costs are extremely high when it comes to because of those those particular things. But what it's doing is bringing those people in Monday through Thursday, which is right. Um, you know, otherwise those nights would be kind of quiet. You know, so so really it's like you know marketing sales. That's sort of where I focus on um, more so than than probably the expenses. Um, but I know at some point I'm going to have to start really kind of looking at that stuff as well.
0: Yeah, I think there's – Well, what's interesting about it is, um, folks that are 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 struggling um, will think that it's a cost problem, and it is because you do need to maximize every piece of your business. But a lot of times, and the way it sounds like you're looking at it is really it's a revenue problem, right? If I can create more revenue, some of these cost problems go away. And obviously, there's always a chance to dig dig into the cost and and, you know and grab grab ten cents here and and two percent there, and that's just going to drop more profit to the bottom line. But the revenue piece, you have to get that right, and you have to be aggressive. And uh yeah, deal, deals is a great strategy. I mean, there's nothing worse as a as a customer than going into a place on Tuesday night and the place is dead. And i and you know and me me in the business and going out and doing that. I'm like, holy shit! How is this place surviving if this is what this night looks like? There and you know, and so I, then my mind goes to what are they what are they trying to do to get people here on some of these off nights? Because okay. you know Friday and Saturday take care of themselves, right? You know this, but yeah. those other yep. days you got you got to work. You got to, you got to pull people in. And uh, and and come up with ideas. So yeah, we you know we got we have three three kids under under 13, and there's nights where we're either too tired or too stressed or running around. We absolutely will will take advantage of, of jumping into a restaurant that's running that's running a, running a deal, or just our favorite place, or just the place we're driving by. And there's people like us all up and down the country just just looking for places to eat and make their life easy. So um, yeah, definitely take 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 advantage of that. And yeah, the, the competition is doing it, so you're not the only one. That's doing it, and uh, let's kind of let's kind of talk about marketing a little bit more because it's it's weird landscape for restaurants these days. In that um, the old way of marketing, you know, putting an ad in the newspaper or or the glossy magazine, I think that's kind of gone away. And you're doing all the all little things: a, a social media post here, a, you know, a Facebook there, um, a, a table tent thing about an event. What are some of the ways that you do marketing? It sounds like yeah, you're not like a big budget, you know, throw 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 ads out 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 there. So, how do you think about marketing and bringing repeat customers back in? What are some of the things you guys do? So, the first
1: thing I would say is uh, behind the number one, probably stressor for a restaurateur being um, you know being staffing and and uh, you know personnel. Uh, number two is probably social media. <laughs> I would say social media. Is the uh, is a double-edged not double-edged sword, but it's, it's it's great when it's working well, and it can be um, you know very dangerous when it's not going well. Um, fortunately for us, we've had um, mostly great experiences on social media, whether it be you know Facebook reviews or Yelp or whatever it might be. Um, and it's interesting because so i don't even know when facebook got started um but i you know it's funny i was i was the first place that i had the neighborhood buff pub we actually had a lot of college kids that were coming in and my space was, was what was going on at the time and these kids that were working for me actually at the time came in and said hey you got to try face this facebook thing i'm like i don't know what this facebook thing is but i you know i got on because they were doing it and it was a way for me to communicate back and forth with these these kids and it was good because um kids kid they were you know probably Six or seven years younger than me, but it was good because I started figuring out ways to get them to come down specifically for events. That was like the big thing at this particular place. It was, you know, we were going to have a uh, St. Patty's Day party or whatever you want to call it. So I would put out some kind of event and we would create that. And I would then get 50 or 100 of these kids to come down on that particular night. We throw an 80s party. We throw, that was of my original thing. I used to throw a lot of like events and a lot of parties. So Facebook really became, I have to say, I'm I, having to sound ridiculous, but Outside of college kids, I was probably one of the earlier people that ended up actually getting onto Facebook. Probably about ten years now ago, so ago. Right.
0: So yeah. social
1: media for me is yeah, and social media was great then because it was. I'm sitting there looking at, well, this is free, and I'm 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 targeting specific people that I sort of know or know my place, and I can get them all to come down here for something specific, and it doesn't cost me anything. And I still to this day find that Facebook and, and Instagram are probably my two most used. Methods of trying to get people to come, come into the place. I have an event, for example, Sunday, this Sunday we have, um, we have some, actually I don't know if you remember Sean Cochran, but his dad, uh, you know, the Irish, Irish, classic Irish, you know, folk, not folk singer, but, so we have an event coming up on Sunday from like four to seven. And my main way of getting that out to people is to, you know, put a blast out on Facebook or on Instagram and try to get people to create the event, get people to come down. So that's always been my, my number one strategy, I think. I think the other is those deals that I was talking about. So instead of spending mm-hmm. advertising dollars, uh, you know, where I'm you know, going on the radio or print ads or any of that other stuff, uh, and people ask me all the time, I basically say, Hey, you know what? I don't really do that because I discount my food on Monday through Thursday. And because I do that, that's sort of my advertising budget. Um, mm-hmm. right. You know, and so, and so that's probably the second. Best way for me to kind of get people in the door. Um, and then the third really is, uh, a lot of that charity stuff that we kind of talked about, you know, sure. um, supporting, supporting the local sports, uh, youth sports. Uh, I, I mean, I probably get asked, I guess at least once a week, maybe more for some kind of gift card or some kind of donation okay. to, uh, an event. And I never say no. i do not saying I never say no because I'll be getting hit up, uh, if <laughs> anybody's listening, I'll be getting hit up every day. But, but, those are the things that get people to come in because, you know, if I'm donating a twenty five dollar gift card for uh, you know, Beverly Little League or Beverly Youth Hockey, it it comes back, you know, tenfold sometimes. You know, I get a lot of parents of Beverly Youth Hockey that come in. I'll I'll donate a gift card and next thing you know there's four families with about fifteen people that show up the next day. Um and and so that's sort of my advertising, my marketing. It's giving back to the community. Um you know, it's a great way to not only, you know, that's that's the best way to spend that money, right? Not only am I spending a little bit of money to get people to come to the restaurant, right, I'm advertising in that way, but it's also get, kind of giving back and helping them raise some money as well. So
0: I'd say those are probably
1: the three biggest ways in terms of trying to market people and, and advertise and get people to come in. And then, you know, local there's some local Facebook blogs and things like that and, and reviews that we, you know, I sometimes – will respond to or whatever it might be to try to you know kind of keep things going as well but we've been we've been very lucky that most of the social media stuff has been uh positive um every once in a while you get those people that like to troll or say ridiculous things out of nowhere but uh yeah but, uh, but i think that those are probably the biggest reasons so
0: yeah the um and and there's and, and there's ways though, for restaurants to to um to spin the um because every school is going to have their their fundraiser their the fundraiser they're going to come in and ask for gift gift cards for a raffle or a giveaway and and absolutely you know you know please do that i mean you, you know donate the $25 things and, and but then also there's some, sometimes then you'll see the sports team hey you know come to this restaurant and they're giving 10% of their profits so there's other ways for you you as a restaurant i'm just talking generally out now you know to to use yep. those those opportunities uh to your advantage and and be part of the community and participate in those I mean, the worst thing to do is to, is to knock on a local restaurant's door and say, "Hey, we're hosting a, hosting a thing at the local elementary school," and for them to say no. I mean, that's first of all, it's going that that goes back and that's bad word word of mouth. So, so look for those opportunities. But I did want to ask you because Facebook, yeah, I mean, you started off you started off in the early stages, and it's kind of one of those things that was it was it was kind of easy back then, they, you know, and they would actually show your posts. And now Facebook has become a the, a paid landscape. Have you shifted a little bit? Uh, of dollars to whether it's paid posts or boost posts or, or are you still kind of looking for, do you just do Facebook organically? Where where are you right now?
1: Yeah, I would say
0: 90% of it's organic.
1: Every once in a while I'll pay, you know, um, you know, to boost something. Uh, lately I haven't. We've just sort of been busting at the seams. Um, yeah. And a lot of it is because of there's a, a specific Facebook um, page called North Shore Eats um, that this guy started. Uh, it's got 27,000 followers on it, and it actually kind of started to hear. The guy was coming in here regularly, and he's like, you know, I really want to find great burgers. This is an awesome burger, uh, and so that sort of um, grew into this one page. that was called the Burger Master, and then he, he you know, kind of made it a little bit more broad, made it North Shore Eats. That is what's continuously driving new business in the door. Um, more and more people keep coming in, talking about it, having a great experience, reposting their experience. And so that's really kind of worked out in our favor quite a bit. Um, so I haven't really boosted much lately, but I would boost some stuff back in the day, especially if it was like an event where we'd have some live music or um, maybe maybe fundraiser or whatever, you know, that type of thing. Um, and then and sometimes I'll, I'll actually put some posts out there for, for help wanted um, scenarios. Where I'll pay to, you know, just kind of see what we get for, for, because it is usually people who know people. I mean, that's one of the best ways to try to yep. hire people. At least for Absolutely. Is, you know, if, if I get somebody who is either a customer here or who works here, who has a friend, you know, th- then at least they know what, you know, they get kind of getting into, they know the place a little bit, and, uh, it kind of does a little bit of, uh, you know, I don't know, uh. It's, yeah, it's it's a, a warm trick- lead,
0: for lack you know. of a better word, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we, what, what, one, um, uh, so much has changed there. So it's, it's interesting, and you're gonna, you're gonna, as, as a restaurant you're gonna, you're gonna get keep to get bombarded with all these, uh, all these platforms that you can use. And, and but it seems like Facebook and Instagram are the place places to be for sure. And uh, then there's some new things to play with. But one of the things I wanna I, on on one on, on your website, I wanted to pull off this quote because I wanted to talk about service just for a quick second. Is it says, uh, enter as strangers, leave as friends, and you know that pub mentality, neighborhood mentality. Talk about that as kind of your your calling card. How do you think about that service, the experience that people get? Is it kind of the cheers experience? What are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know,
1: especially in the first place that I had, it was very much like that where it was, um, you know, you would come in. You know, I'll I'll tell you kind of a funny story. The, the, The first place that I had was called the Tin Whistle. It was in Salem, Mass., uh, my very first, you know, jump up saying neighborhood, but really kind of a dive bar. And when I say dive bar, it was actually my first get-in there it was a biker bar um, for the first handful of years. And, you know, you'd, you'd drive by, and there'd be 40 Harleys lined up out front. Um, yeah, right. And it was interesting because, you know, it obviously gave off a, a perception, whatever that might have been, good or bad, you know. Um, but every once in a while, you know, there'd be some other people that kind of trickle through, and there was this woman, um, and I can't remember her name who stopped in one day for a burger. Older woman, you know, she probably was, I don't know, maybe in her 60s or so. She came in, had a burger, and liked to play kino. Uh And we had kino and Lottery there. And so she would come in and she would come in to the point where she'd come in at least weekly, maybe sometimes even every other day or so. And these guys would be in there. And it got to the point where, you know, the, when I say biker guys, I mean, there were, these guys are big, burly, very stereotypical, what you see in the movie kind of thing. And sure she'd be in there, and there'd be 20 of these guys in there, and they'd actually start having these conversations, to the point where they became friends in a lot of ways. And I remember one of the guys, his daughter was having a baby, and I remember the two of them like kind of embracing and, and, and her handing him something, and it was basically a gift for the baby um, okay. for, you know, for when the baby was born. And it was one of the most right. surreal, bizarre like things that I had seen there, and I'd seen a lot of stuff there, but you know you just you have these perceptions or, or people have perceptions of people and you know whether it's labels or whatever it might be and even i did at the time and then you know these two people walk into this my place and from completely different ends of the spectrum i mean really i mean you know uh, you know uh, night and day if you kind of looked at them and they get together and they're hanging out and they're talking and they're chatting every time they came into the place to the point where the woman's actually buying a baby gift for for the guy's uh, granddaughter i think it was at the time so you know, absolutely crazy, and I think, you know, at least for me, I, my when I go out, I want to be social. I want to, you know, I could sit at the house and have a beer and have a good meal, but for me, going out, I love going out to eat, and I think a big part of that is, you know, talking to people, seeing people, just relaxing and and really kind of getting into that that uh, that local neighborhood you know pub uh feel like that cheers i mean i know it sounds crazy but both of the places that i've had are are very much like the tv show where everybody knows your name i could tell you what time of day it was when somebody would walk into the into the bar. you know it would be this guy john would walk in and i'd say up it's three o'clock without looking at a clock or looking at a watch it's three o'clock because that guy every day would come in and after his shift or whatever it might have been he was a painter and he'd come in and boom you knew that's what it was and he knew exactly what he had to drink you knew exactly how many he would have Uh, And he just, you know, and it was a a nice, and both both places that I had had these bars that were set up where you could kind of talk across the bar from each other, which I thought was very important, as opposed to, you know, a lot of restaurants Uh you go into, it's a sort of linear bar that faces a wall. And so you kind of Mm -hmm. either got to turn to the person left or right, or you got to talk to the bartender, which isn't a a bad thing either, but the bartender's busy, which you hope that they are as a restaurant owner. There's not a lot of, you know, action going on there. And, and I think that was the great thing about these, the two places that I've had is that, you know, you can kind of cr- talk across the way from each other. Uh, and it just creates a, a more of a sense of, you know, community and a, more of a sense of, you know, I don't know, a social atmosphere.
0: So that's a great story about the uh the old lady and the bikers man the um what about yeah. service in a casual environment you know in a in a dive bar i mean you know maybe the person's expectation coming into into a place like that is oh i'm, I'm going to get my food without much extraordinary service but how, how do you still seek to train some people to to go, go beyond the basics to give good service because it's important i mean you still want to have a, have a good uh, a good time and have the people be knowledgeable and all that stuff any things you guys do, whether it's a pre-shift meeting here or a training there or just, like, mentality to make sure they believe in the culture of the place, what do you guys do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. It kind of starts from the top, and, and I, we are, I do very little training. I think it's just the personalities of the people that work for me that I hire, that I keep around, you know, that, that, that it just they fit properly. And I think it starts with, you know, a lot of times with me, you know, where it's I, I own the place, but I – you know, I I do everything from you know running the food to you know clearing the tables to whatever needs to get done I do it, and I think that's I think it trickles down to the rest of the staff and they see that and I think that's very important, you know going back to uh, another story of mine so I worked in the supermarkets so there was a general manager that worked that, that that was that ran the place and there was an assistant general manager and I used to work in a produce department and. The general manager would come over, and there would be a bunch of trash that needed to get thrown away in the dumpster, but it was locked. And he'd come over, and he'd unlock it. he said, hey, do me a favor, throw all the stuff away. And when I say it was carriages and carriages and carriages and carriages of trash, it was. The assistant general manager, who used to come by more on the weekends when I was there, he'd come by, and he'd unlock the thing. He says, hey, can you give me a hand throwing all this trash away? So the two of us would actually throw it away mm-hmm. together. And he's in a suit and he's jumping into the you know compactor to try to push stuff around or whatever it might be. And and you know, I was probably 15 years old at the time, and that was a valuable lesson I learned. And that was, you know, you can't really ask somebody to do something if you're not willing to act to, to do it yourself, or at least join in and do that. And I think that's a very important, you know, part of any business, uh, and especially the restaurant business. You know, it's tough for me to ask somebody to do something if I'm not willing to do it myself. And if I do right. that right. stuff, and People will watch that and they say, "Hey, wait a minute! This guy's doing that. He's not, you know, just sitting there and pointing fingers and, and and directing people." So yeah, let me let me go ahead and help him. Let me go clean this up or whatever it might be. So, and I think that just trickles down to everybody, and I think that's really really important. Um,
0: yeah, so I love I think that the key man.
1: Is don't well, be I afraid love... to get your hands dirty. You know.
0: I do. I love that. It's, and and in any business, is absolutely right. I, I like the grocery store example, and, and and any business you're in. But when you see the leader jump in and do whatever it is, whether it's picking up that shit on the floor and jumping in the dishwasher and doing it, you're like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna work for this guy. I'm gonna we're gonna make this make this happen. So, yeah. so I I, th- I think that absolutely is right. And uh, I'm gonna start closing up. But I'm curious. I'm curious because a lot of folks out there are in the same situation as you. now you're you're you know you're married. You got two young kids in the restaurant business, which is crazy. How do you balance uh, kid and uh, you know the kid, the wife, the family, along with the business. What do you hmm. think? That's a good question.
1: I'm struggling with that every day, actually, because several people are just expecting for me to open up the next the next thing, right? And uh, right. I I think I want to open up, a, you know, have another place uh, because I, I it's it's sort of a an addiction. It's a I don't know. There's something there's a there's a high that I kind of get off of it a little bit, right? But the other okay. thing that I look back on is I say, well, I want to be home with the you know, the kids to be able to specifically, you know, to be at baseball games, to, to be able to coach them as well, you know, not just not just show up to the game, but really be a part of that. And so yep. it's a very fine line between, you know, being, you know, successful and, and having that drive, which I've always had, and yet being able to kind of take my foot off the pedal a little bit and say, hey, listen, you know what? I'm not going in today because, you know, my son's got a, a baseball game and my other son's got a soccer game and I want to be there and I'll be a part of it. So uh, it's very tricky to do. Uh, I don't know how people do it. I'm trying still trying to figure it out. Like, how do you, you know, right. how do you go to that next level? But at the same time, not, uh you know, not messing anything up with a family life. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a juggling act. But, you know, as I'm getting a little bit older, it's becoming a lot more easy to kind of see that it's really not so much about, uh, you know, the success and the money. It's more about the family, and that's probably the most important thing, uh, especially because they support me all the time. I mean, you know, they the, – the fact that my kids and my wife are uh, – so understanding when I have to go to work or if it's a holiday or those, those odd hours or whatever it might be. And so it's, uh, it's part of the culture, it's part of the, the family life, but they're very, very, uh, they're very, very understanding, which is great. So.
0: Yeah, it's a balancing act and, uh, it sounds like you gotta figure it out right now and you gotta put priorities in place. And listen, if you do 100% figure it out, good, that's good. You can, you can, you can print it, write a book about it, make some money, yep. make some money there because, yeah, it's a challenge that, that everybody in the business deals with, uh, effectively and, and, it, and it can, it can get you if you're not, uh, if you're not paying attention to it. Alright, so, uh, tell me where you, tell folks where you guys are on the web, on social, in person, where they can come and see you guys, where your locations are, and, uh, lay it on me. Yeah,
1: so uh currently right now um Biber McGee's Bar and Grill which is uh at 104 Cabot Street in Beverly Mass um it's a uh, you know neighborhood American style pub even though it's got a little bit of an Irish name we'll do some Irish stuff this uh, this month and uh, gearing up for St. Paddy's Day. Uh and then I'm also a part owner in a cafe in Beverly as well. It's called Marino's Cafe. It's actually in the Coming Center in Beverly. Uh and so that's sort of a quick serve uh, breakfast, lunch, Monday through Friday, uh, uh, kind of place too. So, um, so yeah, and then, um, uh, com is the website, which needs some updating, as I said before, but, uh, hopefully we'll be getting updated that. We'll be updating that in the next couple of months. Um, marinoscafe.net is also another one. Uh, social media wise, you know, Facebook, um, is probably the best way to kind of reach out, which is, uh, Fibber McGee's Bar and grill in Beverly and then on Instagram as well. So yeah. So that's uh yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. <laughs> it's so many
0: things already. Saint Patrick's Day coming up. You got yeah, it's gonna be a good, good couple, uh, good strong week. I think doesn't it fall like on a, on the weekend this year? Does it fall on a Saturday? Yeah. Saturday
1: it is it is our busiest day of the year. Um, You're gonna be traditional corned beef, cabbage, and all that stuff. But uh, my chef comes up with some real creative stuff like corned beef egg rolls and all kinds of other stuff. So it is one hectic day. So Saturday is gonna be crazy. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Then I go go right to vacation the next day. So (laughs) every year,
0: (laughs) beautiful. Hey, man, this was awesome catching up. Uh, as, as we touched on the beginning, Craig and I, we went to high school together back in the day, and so it's great to, to, to catch up with a dude who's been in the business, running it, learning learning on the fly as you go, running some places, having some success, and dealing with all the challenges. So thanks so much for sharing everything with me today, buddy. Appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. It was great catching up, and I, I love talking about this stuff, and I think that's the key. You know, If you're in this business and you really love talking about it, that's going to show what you do. You know, if you don't really like talking about it, well, maybe it's time to move on to that next, uh, that next career or whatever that might be. But uh, it's a passion. If you have that passion, you know, everything else will follow.
0: So, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You hit on it, man. I appreciate it. Well, this has been Jamie Oichel from RunningRestaurants.com along with Craig DiOrio of Thierry McGee's in Beverly, Mass. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.